1: Hey there, it's Sarah, your host of the No Labels, No Limits podcast, a podcast all about shedding our limiting labels and beliefs so that we can live fully and wholly as we are designed. And frankly, uh, from a much more heart-centered perspective, because when we do that, we can inspire others to do the same and make the world just better for more of us. Um, our guest today is Michael or Mike Rosenkrantz. Now, Mike is the executive director of SoCal Adaptive Sports. I just always want to say Southern California, but it's really SoCal Adaptive Sports. He has an MBA and an MA with extensive management experience, which you will learn about as we have a conversation. He coaches numerous adaptive sports, including wheelchair basketball, and he's worked for various adaptive sports organizations, and he's co-founded two of them we're gonna talk about one of those today also. But he started on this adaptive sports path in 2009 when he lived in India and then Nepal through 2016. So in today's conversation, I'm gonna ask Mike about how living in India and Nepal shifted and shaped the path he travels today, the role adaptive sports has in promoting social inclusion or societal inclusion, um, examining the impact and power of social inclusion for people with different abilities or differing abilities and then talk about some of the adaptive sports programs that he really is drawn towards some of the impact of those and finally i'm going to dig into like who are his mentors who are the people that he turns to um, when he needs some of his own stuff coming back to him so with that i'd like to formally welcome today's guest michael rosencrantz hi mike
2: Hey, thanks, Sarah. appreciate being on.
1: Well, it's fun. I've been looking forward to this. Now, Mike and I just actually met a week ago, if if that, maybe a little bit longer. And he was so interesting that we offered him, like, why don't you hop on the podcast? I will tell you, you are the most action-oriented person who <laughs> I've made that offer to who's done it. And not only has done the onboarding stuff, but actually put that on their schedule in a quick turnaround. So, That tells you something about who you are and how you show up, Michael. Um, But would you start by beginning or start by sharing a bit about yourself and your background?
2: Yeah, thanks, Sarah. Um, So I'm 66 years old and uh, have two children, two wonderful adult children. Um, And I've always been kind of interested in the uh, social sector, I'd say. you know, when I was seventeen or younger, wanted to be in the Peace Corps, become a dentist uh, in school, and save the world. But got C minuses in chemistry, so that quickly abated to a political science major as an undergrad. <laughs>
1: so for all you dentist hopeful dentists, if it doesn't work out, poli sci.
2: Yeah, so you know that served me. Um, Well, um, and I've worked for various nonprofits um, and municipalities. I was director of a regional HIV AIDS organization for um, eight years. Wow. I managed. um, One of the oldest continually operating public markets in the US, uh, the Lancaster um, Central Market in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. That's not Lancaster, it's Lancaster as I was told in my interview. Um, But that didn't last long, unfortunately. And I. um, You know, it opened up an opportunity to go overseas. And something I'd wanted to do since, you know, very young. Um, And so. When I the first time I went to India was in 2006, Uh, I went to uh, business school with a guy from Kolkata, Uh, Kolkata. Um, a guy named Ankar Kakar, became friends and, you know, went and visited him and just fell in love um, with India. And then I had the opportunity uh, to go overseas as as a voluntary service overseas volunteer. And I had choices between going to uh, Nigeria and and working with a countrywide visual impairment organization or India. And I, I chose India because Uh, You know, I just felt this draw, and I was placed with the Indian government uh, the Ministry of Social Justice and Empowerment. uh, The government of India, Um, it was an autonomous body called National Trust, and they worked with 900 NGOs or nonprofits throughout the country, and it sounded great because one of the things I wanted to do was um, travel and this job in this position, I would be doing all kinds of workshops, capacity building workshops like fundraising and marketing and all other kinds of stuff. And I thought, Great, I'm going to do this. Um, and while I was in India, so I, I lived with a, a joint family, you know, there were the grandparents, there's three children, and then their children. So I had my own floor. It was big enough to I could play basketball in there, which was really cool. Um, and I was coaching uh, standing able-bodied basketball at the New Delhi YMCA. And after a couple of years, came home for a visit and met these guys from wheelchair athletes worldwide, and their mission is to bring sports wheelchairs into clinics uh wheelchair basketball and i said i live in india why don't you guys come and do your first clinic there and they did and so that got me started on the adaptive sports path which was great because i love sports and um and it was interesting the nba was just coming into india at that time too so you know made some connections there and it was just it was great so after india um 2012 uh came home in February, my assignment ended, wanted to go back to India, couldn't get a visa because of whatever. Uh, but I had an opportunity to go to Nepal. So I went in it's either June or July, and I ended up spending four years in Nepal doing various assignments. I mean, a whole bunch of different stuff, not focused on people with disability, but you know, I made connections, of course, before I went to before I went to Nepal, I made connections. And um, you know, started building wheelchair basketball in Nepal. So I do that on my weekends, uh, and that was great. And then came back to the U.S. in 2016, and was able to coach, be an assistant coach at the University of Arizona with the women's wheelchair basketball team because one of the guys from wheelchair athletes worldwide, Pete Hughes, he um, was the wheelchair basketball coach for women at. University of Arizona. He's now the athletic director for adapted sports, which is great. So I did that, lived in Tucson, helped to co-found an organization, Southern Arizona Adaptive Sports. Uh, moved on to North Carolina and worked for a place called Bridge of Sports and coached and ran a um a um, a school program, which was great. And then, you know, wanted to be closer to my parents who are who, who older Americans and uh so ended up going back to California, where I'm from, uh, three years ago. So that's a little bit of, of my path.
1: Well, that's a very circuitous and kind of I can see like the dots as you're talking. I'm going, OK, that's a dot like those fake maps. They show where here's the airplane going and there's dots, dots, dots. And now Michael's over here and now he's here. Um, but my question that comes from all of that is twofold. What? Were there any specific lessons or takeaways from working with the communities in either Nepal or India that influence how you work with communities now and the work you do today here in the States?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) I tend to just talk. Um, So. You know, growing up in the U.S., I mean, there's certain mores, you know, and there's the culture that you kind of try to fit into. And for me, I think that kind of suppressed my personality and my ability to be more extroverted. So when I went overseas, it was like this weight kind of lifted Um, because, you know, obviously, I'm not going to do something really stupid, although I'm sure I did many stupid things while I was overseas. But but it also relieves this kind of having to fit in um, in a certain way. And so, you know, I, I related back to um, how I dance and I just we just there was just a dance this past weekend. And I when I dance, it's it's very free form and flowing. You know, it's not like when people are doing kind of a line dance at this dance, I went to I was like, I'm not doing that. Um, you know, it's more all over the place, jumping around and so being in India and Nepal allowed me to be more of a dancer, I think, in my in my own kind of way, not in any one saying, This is the way you have to dance. And um, so I, I use that a lot. I think it helped me to be my more authentic self. I mean, I, I remember someone asking me, Oh, are you going overseas to find yourself? And I said, you know, what a ridiculous question. Um it's not that I was going to find myself, but I think I did find a large part of who, who I was really meant to be in, in during this lifetime. And so I approach things, you know, I mean, I, I can be serious as a coach, you know, I'm like, come on, get out there and run, but, you know, can also be a little bit goofy and, and you definitely use humor. I mean, I think that's, that's a really important lesson. Um, in India, Nepal, I mean, people laugh at things that I don't I don't know that I would laugh at. But nevertheless, you know, there's a little bit of this lightheartedness, um, I think, which is a really good lesson for me, I think. or I know, uh, you know, something I've been working on my whole life is just patience. Um, it's well, as you know, by how I responded to you, it's like I need to do this now. <laughs> and so um you know, being in in Nepal, I mean, I spoke a, a bit of the language. Ali Ali. Um, so I had to be more patient and, you know, people didn't always understand what I was trying to say. I mean, people still don't understand what I'm trying to say, you know, but. Um, so definitely patience was something that uh, I learned. And I think also it taught me to think um, in a very different way. You know, it's not. There's vertical horizontally. I mean, I I've kind of I'm kind of more all a little bit all over the place, but I think it serves me well because I'm able to um, kind of think and see things a little more deeply and kind of say, you know, it's this is not the only way. I mean, you know, working in with a, a government office in India, it's really interesting you know, or just going to the post office in India <laughs> um, was quite the experience. But it's it's like, you know, the American way, Mike's way is not the only way, you know, and it's so it's it's somewhat lessening, trying to lessen ego a little bit, too. And saying, you know, there's so many ways. But, you know, that's a constant thing that I'm that is with me and I'm trying to learn so so many different lessons and you know, a lot of the people that we work with that I work with are people with, you know, developmental or intellectual disability. So there is a, a, a certain amount or a lot of patience, you know, that you have to have. And you, you have to be able to explain things, I mean, very differently. You know, someone who's nonverbal, you know, are you getting what I'm saying? Um, you know, not as my colleague says to me, don't keep repeating things, let people process. Um, so those, you know those are the many things that i've learned and that i mean i'm continuing to learn on a daily basis as i coach sports um but i'm so you know even though i didn't go as a dentist which is probably a good thing because i probably would have hated it um you know india and nepal really um kind of opened me up and i you know i i do want to go overseas again uh there's no doubt about that uh, because i think you can get in kind of a rut and, you know, there's this group thing kind of thing if you're in the same place for your whole life. So it's when I was thinking about this the other day, you know, I'm I'm loving building SoCal Adopted Sports. You know, it's something I just love it. You know, I guess I'm somewhat of an entrepreneur at heart, although, you know, a a business with a human face, right? nonprofit. Um, But I want to I don't want to get too comfortable either. you know i there's a lot more to explore. I think there's a lot more to do uh in life, and so yeah, over time, you know' I'll take these lessons and then hopefully learn many more and be able to work in other parts of the world too um because it's you know it's such a tapestry I mean so many ways of doing things, you know it's and you know you gotta be open right it's and that's not so easy, but yeah, I try
1: it's not always that easy but it's always possible yeah i think you talked about the whole ego piece right that that's like one of the big berries it's like no it has to be this way really since when someone else has a good way of doing it you know or a different way of doing it
2: yeah i, I think that that just causes a lot of um uh, a lot of things that become problems in life you know i mean we could talk about the whole political scene in the u.s but i i think you know, you get a little bit self-righteous and say, you know, my way is the only way. And then you can't hear what other people have to say. And then you're just split. And that's kind of the end of the relationship. Um, so it's, I think that's
1: so painful to even contemplate that. Right. Because it's such a lie are we can't split. You know, we are all like this human thing together. We just parcel it at no labels, no limits. Hello. So
2: yeah, that's your but, but but it's hard, you know, I mean, we, it's hard. You no, know, we all have prejudices just from the environments we've grown up in. and um, but it's like, how do you kind of lessen those? You know, a, a really good thing for me, I just want to sorry, I'll talk a little bit, but I, so I do some tutoring, too, of kids, which I really love. And I've been working with this um, mixed race family. And it's been it's just been so good for my heart um, to do that. And I, you know, I just I love the I told the mom the other day, you know, I just love your kids, you know, but it's helped me um, quite a bit to see more of, you know, we're kind of very similar and we want very similar things. And it doesn't matter what your race is, you know, or your background It's yeah. How do we reach some kind of common ground? And I think. But it's experiencing that that is, you know, really helpful to me. You know, definitely. So Don't
1: you feel like that opens your heart differently when you can experience something in that way.
2: Well, I think that that's the whole, you know, going back to India and Nepal, you know, being obviously being a white male in um, those societies. You know, I was very much in the minority and it really it does. It just opens. It opens you up more to, um, you know, the possibilities, the, the opportunities that exist. Um, and it doesn't matter, you know, what you look like or what your ability level is or anything like that. It's more, you know, how do we find some common ground so that we can engage and, you know, have a relationship? So.
1: So I want to talk, if you would, for a few minutes about the organization you started in Southern California, because um, if you're fairly young, you, your organization is fairly young. We're close to the same age. So I think I'm you young know, too. So, yeah,
2: I'm well, too you're young.
1: fairly young <laughs> 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 I'm too, just saying, um, but w- what is its origin story? I know you shared a little bit of that before, but like you could have come back and been near your parents and done something entirely different, right? So why that organization yeah. at that time? Well, I, I don't know that I
2: could have done something totally different. I think, you know, this is half of um, kind of mother India. And, you know, my my sister has been there numerous times. My children spent six months there. Um, so we all have this kind of affinity or something about India. You know, And talk about guru, right? The, the guru. I kind of follow my son's a monk, you know, the Self-Realization Fellowship. It's from the east, you know. So, um, so th- I think this is this is my path, you know, for the rest of my life. Um, you know, I came back and I had gotten a job in the area where I'm living now, the Coachella Valley in the southeast of LA. And um, you know, it's great, close to my parents, close to my children. Um, you know, doing this job, but. You know, I found that the organization was way too limiting for me Um, and then COVID hit. And then, you know, there was a split, which was actually fortuitous uh, because it was really time for me to kind of do my, you know, kind of this path. So I got together a group of people and my job ended March in April. You know, I had a group of people and we were already chatting. Right. April of 2020 and incorporated in May. So I knew that I wanted to do this and I really love, uh, you know, networking and and collaborating. I mean, I don't I don't want to I never want to do things by myself because, you know, there are so many resources out there and, you know, there's some there's a lot more power in collaborating, of course, and partnering. So It's all kind of even though, you know, we started during COVID, it's it's all worked out and, you know, we're just we're on this growth path because of the partners we've been able to uh, collaborate with, like Desert Recreation District Adaptive, Uh, the staff member there, Kendra Smith, who, you know, great friend, great person. um, She said, Sure, you know, let's collaborate. And they have, you know, they have gyms and everything. Um, I partnered with the city of Riverside Um, which is 70 miles away, Uh, they've been great, you know, partnered with a group called Friends of the Desert Mountains, who leads our hikes. And so everything just, you know, the more that I can feel this internally, um, the more I know that this is the right path. I tell you, this morning, right, I get an email from this group I've never heard of. And they said, we're giving you $2,500. I said, what? And I wrote to them, and someone anonymously um, um, nominated us uh, in Riverside, where I had done a, a adaptive sports camp for youth. I was like, "Oh, okay, sure, that that will be helpful." And I, you know, that that kind of stuff, it it's not. I mean, obviously, you need money to run an organization, but it's more as I wrote to their the director of the organization, I said, you know, it just brings tears to my eyes because it. I feel like we are making an impact and, you know. People, this parent is appreciative of that, you know, there wasn't anything in Riverside and now, you know, we're starting to build some adaptive sports so that anyone who wants to can participate. So it's, you know, I, I think throughout my career, you know you have to look at kind of signposts, right? and I'm probably better at this now because I am you know older um than I was when I was younger when you know you'd fight things right instead of as we were talking, you know, just kind of yes. going and seeing i mean i'm still I know I'm still a little pushy um I was once called a you're like a bull in a china show um but I think it's 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 more you know I am able to step back a little bit, not push. In a certain way and then push in a maybe a little bit softer way, which is something I've been told I have to do. So <laughs>
1: well, and it sounds like you're able to acknowledge what you're receiving, right? From that person, from the impact you made. It's clear that it lights you up, right? That's it's it's like validation from the world that you're making a difference.
2: Well, that that's yeah, that's what I wrote to my um my cousin this morning, you know. There's the, um, uh, what are they, the the love languages? You know those, yeah. So the five love languages, right? And one of them is, you know, words of affirmation, which it's not, that's not really me so much, but, um, you know, in this case, it did feel very reaffirming uh, that we're, you know, that we're on the right path and that people are appreciating it, um, which, you know, that's important. You know, you you don't know in life, right? Like, are you doing the right thing? Should you do this, should you do that? And then, you know, this anonymous person says, Hey, you're you're doing the right thing. It's like, okay, we're doing the right thing. Yep. <laughs>
1: I think it's helpful also because it's an opportunity for you to say, Yep, that's the right direction at this time for that location. And a year from now, someone may say, We need that plus this. You never know, you know, but Just to be open to that, like you said, the signposts along the way, so you can hear and listen, adapt, see what fits for you as an organization and for the people that you're serving.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Some
1: with some humility built in.
2: Well, I do. Absolutely. absolutely. You know, it's not I I mean, I, I really try to go this philosophy of, you know, it's it's not about me, right? It's about others and what we can do to create more opportunities in in my case for adaptive sports and other things. You know, it's I think as you lessen, and it's it's about me and I have to get this car, I have to get this house and all that, you know, I think your life opens up more. And it, it opens up more, as I, you know, I said to my son, I, I just feel like there's more of a spiritual kind of opening up too, you know. I always think like it's I'm not doing this work for. Yeah, I'm not doing this work for me. You know, it's there's something else that's kind of guiding me. Um, so, I, you know, I try to live my life that way. And some of the times I do, and sometimes I don't, of course.
1: So. And so here we are in the human condition, right? Sometimes better than others. Um, let's talk a little bit about the role of adaptive sports in in promoting societal inclusion and social justice. Um, and I'm going to stop at that. I mean, what? Yeah. Talk a little so bit I, about
2: that. You know, so my feeling is, you know, there are the UN development goals, and goal 10 is about, um, you know, equity and inclusion. I mean, in countries, across countries. And so I, I kind of feel like there's a connection to that. Um, you know, play equity. Um, L.A. 84 Foundation talks about play equity. You know, it's it's a very much a social justice issue is the way I see it. So it's, you know, the sports is used as kind of the vehicle, right, to create, you know, more of an inclusive society. Because if we in the able-bodied world um, can see the barriers that we've put up, and can start lessening those barriers or eliminating those barriers, then you know more people with a variety of abilities can can participate and you know it's sometimes it's really simple things you know i work we work with a few people with visual impairment, and you know why so you know why is that barrier right there on the sidewalk right I mean you see it a lot more in India and nepal although they're they're making strides to India more than nepal but Um, so how do we, again, how do we see things differently so that, you know, we can say, Hey, you know, there's a barrier there. How do we eliminate that? You know, one of the things I do, which is weird, but whatever, um, you know, I go into handicapped bathrooms and I look at them and go, huh, you know, this is not really, and handicapped is not a great word, but, you know, this bathroom is not, overly accessible. I mean, I I did that a lot in India and Nepal, and it was just that horror show. Um, but I think it's really important that we all kind of, you know, again, going with this kind of visual impairment analogy. I mean, we all have blinders on, you know, for whatever, and it's like, how do we open these up? So that, you know, we can kind of see or feel or touch what other people. I'm kind of feeling I think well, I know that working with people with a variety of abilities um, has opened me up more. I mean, there's still a whole lot more, you know, that I that I don't see or feel. But it certainly has opened me up a lot more. You know, and, it, and it, you know, it, it really it pisses me off when people park in the handicapped parking spaces. And, you know, I mean, I won't describe the incident that happened to me in North Carolina, but, you know, it was like, get out of here. You don't need to be here, um, but it does give you uh, you know, a lot more empathy. So, you know, that's a whole nother lesson, right? From living in India and Nepal and working with people with disability. And, you know, that that kind of empathy. Um, and, it, I, it, and it, you know, even through the energy work, which I was telling you about that, I'm doing it in you know, my last session. It just kind of opened me up to say, OK, you know, Don't be don't be impatient with people, you know. There are other ways, obviously, to look at things and what are they going through? And, you know, so you got to be you have to be so careful. Um, But yeah, it is the human condition. It's not not so easy.
1: (laughs) It's not. And then I try to remember, too, that um, some of the challenges we face are invisible. So because I totally relate to someone popping into a, a reserved handicapped or Um, access, easier access parking, they don't even have plates or any placard, right? And I'm thinking, what's wrong with you? I'm thinking, I don't know what's wrong with them. And maybe they're battling something I have no idea about and they just forgot. So why don't you just, that's, you're not jobs not to police the world box back off. But, But to recognize that there are a lot of hidden things that people deal with, you know,
2: I think um, that's a really good point. And it it's interesting that you should say that because the um so it's just World Disability Day, International Day of Persons with Disability on December 3rd. And the theme was about, you know, you know, some disabilities are right invisible. And um, and we don't know what's going on with other people. Um, uh, so it's it's important to keep in mind, you know, especially in this very stressful kind of world that we live in so
1: people are a little touchy you know so it's it's good to go okay this is what i think is happening and the reality is probably something way different yeah just why don't you let it go and just assume the best and don't stress them out worse than they are probably you're right people are touchy and they're quicker to fly off the handle i think because of that so yeah it's a good practice on empathy For me, I just go, thank you for giving me an opportunity for practicing empathy.
2: Yeah, people, people are angels, aren't they? Even though you think they're devils, um, if you kind of look at things a little differently. So we can
1: be. Um, But I wanted to um, ask you for an example, because you've been in this work for a long time in different venues, different locations. But what are a couple of examples of the impact of the work on an individual like what have you seen as a result of someone being included in a different way than maybe they've ever had experience before?
2: Well, here's an example from last week. So we just started our school based program, which is called Sports for Everybody. And essentially we go into schools and, you know, we let students play, try a number of different adaptive sports. So. We put all students you know in a we put all students in a um, a sports chair um or they're playing sitting volleyball or they're playing boccia, which is the paralympic kind of equivalent of bocce so last week um uh, we did our first couple of sessions um and they were just terrific and you know I know the the teachers the coaches the administrators who were there you know were really appreciated we're gonna schedule a lot more but so, one um, young woman came in, um, in a power chair, and uh, it was her birthday, so we sang happy birthday to her. And then, when we divided the students up into groups to participate in these different activities, which I just described, I said to her, do you wanna play? And she said, no. I was like, oh, this is why we're doing this. So, you know, by the end of the two hours, she participated for two hours, she was in a sport wheelchair. I said to her, you want to play sharks and minnows? She said, yes. And I was pushing her and she had this biggest smile on her face. Right. So that's, you know, that's a two hour day. You have you see the smiles are a great example. You know, this child included with able bodied people with, you know, disability, too. Um. You know, longer term, though, uh, go back to my North Carolina experience. Um, yes, Here's another really fun story. Um, so when I was in North Carolina, I used to go to the spina bifida clinics at um, University of North Carolina in Duke. And one day when I was at UNC, you know, a little girl walk, came, not walked in, but she was in a wheelchair with her mom. And I said, hey, you want to play sports? And her mom said, she doesn't play sports. She can't even catch a ball. She has some vision stuff, too. I said, just come out and try it. You know, that's what I say to people. Just come out and try it once. Um, didn't hear from her. You know, called her mom on the phone and said, come on, just just bring her out to our wheelchair basketball practice. The child came out. Um, and just started crying, you know, in the gym. And I said to one of the other athletes, you know, go take this. Girl and push her around the gym. And they did. And by the end of the day, end of the practice, I said, hey, you're going to come back. She said, yes. And she's so this was um, four years ago, I guess. So I've looked at pictures on Facebook and she's, you know, she's part of this wheelchair basketball team. Right. Um, You know, another child I know in North Carolina who started playing and they used to drive two and a half hours to get to practice. So her grandmother told me, you know, her grades, you know, her attention um, really improved. Her math was, um, you know, getting much better. So, you know, for me, I played sports all my life. And sports are a way to learn life lessons, you know, whether it's teamwork, whether it's leadership, it's the same for anyone. um, And if you don't have the opportunity to participate, then you're not learning those life lessons. You know, you're kind of sitting on the sidelines and the field is not level. So, you know, by leveling the playing field, removing barriers, allowing allowing opportunities to participate, so children, you know, will develop like any other child, right, Um, depending on their capacity. So, you know, sport is a way to lead a full life. You know, whether you prefer individual sport or whether you like to play team sport, Um, Things that I that I observe on a daily basis is, you know, it's it is about physical health, of course, but it's also about social and emotional health. And so, you know, I'm often telling the athletes, this is not the time to hug and have a love fest. It's time to play basketball. Let's go, you know, Um, but it's but it's all part of it, right? Um, One of our uh, or actually three of the athletes we are working now, you know, they're going to college one young woman um you know she's at ucla in a two-year program a young woman with um, intellectual disability and you know i I mean i can see through some of the things that she's done with us like so we do a special trip to a place called pathfinder ranch and one of the activities is to climb a rock wall well this young woman came with us and you know i'm not climbing to the top she climbed all the way to the top and her mother said to me "I i can't believe she's done this right so you, you learn about confidence and, you know, I I can do as opposed to I can't do because the opportunities are available to play. So it's you know, everyone wants everyone wants to participate um, in. The wonderful things that society has to offer and, you know, we're doing such a disservice by not. Offering a full array of activities for everyone, no matter what their ability or who they are, you know, what their what their beliefs are, Um, you know, parks and rec departments. I mean, you can drive a few miles and go play sports, but they don't all have adapted sports. So one of the things that we've been doing is working with different municipalities um, to start programs. And, you know, it's it's working It's slow. This is you have to be very persistent in this work. But nevertheless, I'm seeing things opening up. So you can imagine if all the various parks and rec departments, you know, throughout the U.S., I'm working on Southern California, have um, adaptive sports. Then you remove the barrier of transportation um, for people with, you know, disability. And then it's like, yeah, we've opened things up so much. So I think it's all possible. It just, you know, it takes time changing mindsets, you know, saying people with disability, you know, they just want to play like everyone else and You don't have to treat people differently, you know, maybe a little more kinder, maybe a little more empathy, but, you know, offer the activities so that everyone can play.
1: Mike, it begs the question for me, we talk about how it impacts the athlete themselves, but I'm wondering about their teammates who do not participate with those same kinds of adaptive challenges or abilities. How do they change? So someone who maybe is playing that sport alongside them, who is able. What changes have you seen in the team as a yeah. whole?
2: So our, our program sports for everybody um, in the schools, you know, it it is. At least for me, it's about how do we create a lot more inclusion? Um, you know, how do we open up people's eyes? Like so last week when we did the program, you know, I asked the question, how many of you have watched the Paralympics, you know, and maybe a couple of students raise their hands. So I think you know experiencing being in a wheelchair or sitting down and playing um sitting volleyball or playing boccia, being blindfolded and with your offhand, um, you know, helps the able-bodied students to appreciate um, you know, yeah, I can play with I can play with my friend. I I may just have to do things a little bit differently. So, you know, that's the kind of um, we want to create those kind of friendships. Um, I watched a commercial this. No, it was yesterday. Yeah, I was watching a presentation and, you know, it shows a young man with a basketball and it shows another child in the house with a wheelchair. And, you know, by the end of the commercial, you know, they're together and they're playing basketball together, which, you know, is very possible. I mean, you don't have to be in a wheelchair to play wheelchair basketball, but certainly you can play with your friend, right? Your friend maybe can't use their legs, but they can still shoot a basketball. They can still pass. They can still get down court, you know, by pushing. Um, and so, you know, it's very possible. I one of the places that I worked with in India was this inclusive school, and I, I had never seen an inclusive school before, and it was just terrific. You know, you just yeah, all these kids just want to play basketball, they're all playing basketball. Some are standing, some are in wheelchairs, you know, some are using walkers, but hey, we can all play. So it it does, I, you know, talking about that empathy piece, I think it creates a lot more empathy um, for people and helps them to start seeing things a little bit differently. So that's why, you know, programs like sports for everybody and other other organizations are doing it which is great university of michigan is doing it university of arizona wants to start doing a school-based program um it's just so important so again we open ourselves up and can see the world a little bit differently so that everyone is included
1: okay i'm going to switch gears on you here for a minute and i'm going to ask you to share with us a little bit um about when you either when you face challenges or not like, but when you're in a growth or transition or change time, who do you turn to for your mentorship and guidance and support? Because people turn to you for their support. So who do you turn, turn to?
2: Yeah. So I think, you know, the, the, the mentoring or mentoring piece is is really important. You know, I, I've learned to really, um, Appreciate my elders, people even older than me. Oh my gosh. Um, you know, I have my dad's 93, um, and I really, um, you know, we don't always agree, right? And but I, I just appreciate how he's lived his life. Um, you know, my mom passed away six months ago, and they were married 67 years, something like that, you know, and but he's, you know, he's doing okay. Um, you know, he's got sports to watch on TV, so he's doing OK. Um, you know, there's his brother. Uh, uh, so Michael, Jerry and um, his wife, Sheila. Um, they've Dave, um, you know, I get a really strong heart feeling just even talking about them. Um, they're people who I, I just, you know, I really, really appreciate um, have a lot of good life experience. And, um, you know, my my uncle especially gives me a lot of, um, you know, his ideas. He was very successful in business, the private sector, but nevertheless, there's still lessons. Um, And then, I, you know, just I think it's really important to have deep friendships. You know, it's great to have a lot of friends, um, but I have these incredible friends who my cousin, Mark, who he's just he's a dear friend. You know, it's not about family. My friend, Beth, my friends, Robert and Simone, you know, who really, really. Um, just help me and can say to me, Mike, you know. You're off your rocker, dude, you know, um, and then, you know, it, it's interesting, you know, people don't have to be older than you. Uh, my, my son certainly. Um, you know, he's a monk with the Self-Realization Fellowship I and mean, he's just a wise soul and, you know, he'll edit my what I write and and he just he has this ability to think about things um, quite differently because I guess because of the life, uh, you know, he's leading and so it's really, really helpful. Um, but I, I, you know, I I try to hear I'm trying harder to hear what people say to me. Um, you know, and of course, you know, the athletes that I work with, I mean, if you really, if I really sit, not sit, but, you know, be on the court with them and listen, you know, there's a lot of wise things um, that they say. And, you know, many times they just crap me up. But, um, it's, it's really, it's just, yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's just about listening. You know, to others, and you know, I find other stories so fascinating. I mean, all of us have a story, no matter who we are, right? Um, so I read the New York Times, my news, sorry, um, but you know, i when they highlight someone who has passed away i'll I'll read the story and go, "Oh my God, you know, I've never heard of this person, and they just did so much with their lives, but it's it's more about you know, we, everyone has a story, you know, no matter who you are. And so if you're willing to take time to listen, you can learn. And I think that helps in me, right? And I mean, that that definitely helps me. So it's it's funny, you know, you can think of people as mentors, but I think anyone can be a mentor, um, you know, to you. If, if you listen, if you listen, right? If you if you hear what they're saying.
1: Those are wise words, my friend, wise words,
2: maybe. So last
1: question for you, because I can imagine some folks listening to this. Maybe they're in a town not near one of the big universities, but something you said clicked for them and they're thinking, I need to do something in my community because this needs to be here. What would you suggest for them? Like, should they come to you? Are there resources or what's the first step you might help them or encourage them to take or yeah, people are people are more
2: than welcome to contact me and I'll you know I know people throughout the country or, you know in other countries too but in this country so adaptive sports it's it is a growing field um the chamber of commerce I would say for adaptive sports is a group called move united um and they're they're just terrific you know they can talk about activities everywhere but um You know, sometimes I I do know I always try to connect people because I meet people obviously from other places in my travels and I try to connect them um, with organizations. So, you know, go to move United or you can ask me and I'll connect you. Um, You know, more colleges are starting to do competitive adaptive sports. I think there's about 30 in the country now that, you know, wheelchair basketball and wheelchair tennis and University of Arizona, they started golf and track and field. Um, what else? And hopefully, you know, a lot more stuff will start. In California, um, there's San Diego State University um, is offering competitive athletic sports and UCLA is really trying. And I'm, I'm working on some places, hoping to get them going. But yeah, feel free to come to me. I'm I'm more than happy to help connect you um with people so it, you know it's socaladaptivesports.org or mike at socaladaptivesports.org SoCalAdaptive, so um either way you can find us We're on facebook too and yeah please i i you know it's it, we just want to create a lot more opportunities and um create you know do our little piece in creating more inclusion um, yeah. I just want to say one other thing, so I had um, read this great thing once and the person I can't remember who it was was saying, you know, we all think we're doing such really big things, right? But we're like grains of sand, of course, in this whole big universe. So the the message was, you know, you work on your own postage stamp size portion, right? Probably less of the universe. And that's okay. you know, just do that. So I'm working on my postage stamp size portion of whatever it is.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. That's true. But if enough of our, uh, enough of us are working on our own postage size stamps, it starts to have an expanding impact.
2: And it is It it definitely is. But, you know, you don't need to save the world, right? You can do your thing in your community and hook up with other people in your community. You're doing positive things. That's right. It grows. It, it grows. Grow.
1: And that good energy and positive output just fuels itself as well. So Mike, I want to thank you for being a guest on the no labels, no limits podcast. Um, I was so glad to have met you and super excited that you were so quick on the draw. This won't air until next year, 2023. So as fast as you were, We'll see in 2023 and listeners, you know, by habit to look in the show notes, we have links to Mike and how to connect with him and his organization or just him. Um, But check it out. They're doing some cool stuff. So with that, Thank you, and have a great week ahead.
0: You've been listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author, change agent, and strategic vision coach, Sarah Box. You can grab the show notes and find out how to work with Sarah at sarahbox.com forward slash No Labels, No Limits podcast. We'd love this podcast to reach as many people as possible, so please remember to rate, leave a five-star review, and share the podcast with someone you think will